Welcome to Science Death What? Or Did It? The case of the Black Death Who Done It? I'm your host, Kyle Marion Viterbo. It's not all that uncommon for scientific finds to get misrepresented in the media, especially these days when most of our information gets filtered via things that go viral. That is, what is the most liked slash most shared slash most tweeted, tumbled, upworthy, buzzfed posts out there. I mean, there's just so many different platforms for information to go through these days. And when things go through multiple relays, there's a bigger likelihood of that information getting muddled in what I like to think of as the telephone game. We've all played this game at one point or another. You create a chain of people with one person at the end whispering something to the next, and the next person passing it along, and so on and so forth, until you get to the last person who has to figure out if what they heard was the same as what was said in the first place. Sometimes it happens because, as scientists, we want our research to catch the eye of our audience, so we write catchy titles. Other times this happens with science when filtered through the media, be it the news or the popular encyclopedia of faces kind. To get the most viewers or the most shares, catchy titles and attention-grabbing content is created. And sometimes it's at the cost of accuracy. On today's show, we're going to chat with science writer and journalist Brooke Burrell. Brooke is a contributing editor for Popular Science magazine and has also written for Slate, Eon, and BBC Future. Recently, she wrote about Bed bug trend stories! Stop the madness! And No! Rats are not exonerated from the Black Plague! I love these two pieces particularly because she contextualized and fact-checked some news information that had gone viral clarifying misconceptions about what's really going on behind the headlines. We scientists and science writers have a common goal, to communicate science efficiently and effectively. So for today's show, we're discussing Brooke's career as a science communicator and finding that right balance between engaging a lay audience and getting the science right. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Hi, Brooke. Thank you for your time. I'm so glad that you're yeah. here to do this. You have such a great career as a science communicator. I was wondering, uh, how did you get into science writing? Okay, that's, I'll try and make it a short answer. It's kind of a long story, but the short version is that I was always really interested in writing and really enjoyed writing, and I also always really liked science. And my undergraduate degree, I did uh, biomedical engineering. And after that, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And this is the long story part that I'm going to cut down a little bit. But I eventually ended up going uh, and getting a master's, not in science journalism per se, but it was in a program where you could build your own curriculum, basically, at NYU. I did sort of a combination of uh, what they call science studies, which is looking at science from a cultural and social perspective although it was a little bit more of an updated version than the traditional version of that, and uh, history of science and gender theory, actually. And as I was doing that, I was really enjoying writing, and I ended up, uh, you know, I, I ended up sort of falling into journalism after that. Oh, I, wow. I was doing some traveling, and I had already planned this rather long trip to Australia, and this was around the time when I sort of discovered, it, it, I mean, this sounds like a silly discovery, but it, it dawned on me, and after talking to people that, do science writing for a living, I realized, oh, like, someone does that for a job. They write all those 
things that you read yeah. in magazines. And I, I ended up emailing Cosmos Magazine in Australia because I was already going to be traveling there and asked them if they needed an intern at all during oh, the wow. time period I would be there. And they, they're like, yeah, sure. It was really low key. And I wasn't, you know, I was not necessarily a traditional intern, so it might have been hard to find an internship otherwise. But I, I interned with them for a few weeks and did some news stories for them for online and a couple pieces for their magazine and really liked it. And then I just sort of learned from there how to freelance. I freelanced for them for a while, and I got a job as a fact checker when I moved back to New York. Oh, okay. uh, And, yeah, so just started meeting people and networking and pitching stories. How do you pick your stories now that, you know, you're a contributing editor to Popular Science and there's, there's so, many, so many topics to choose from? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying, I, when you start out, well, it depends. If you have a background that is really, uh, maybe if you have a PhD in a specific area or something like that, a lot of people do end up specializing in that when they, if they switch to science writing. Some people don't, though. I know people with PhDs that don't write about their specialty at all. Um, but a lot of people start out as a generalist, meaning they'll write about anything, and then they might end up specializing as they figure out what's interesting to them, and that's sort of what's happened for me, although I still will write about anything if I get an assignment or have something outside of what I'm really focused on now, I'll still write about it. Um, but I guess to answer your question, it's it's just a matter of being curious and like thinking of things that I want to learn more about often or things that I've learned about and I want to ask different questions about. And half of the stuff I write also ends up being assignments from editors that I've worked with pretty okay. regularly in the past. So so was the story about the Black Plague hmm. you, something you chose or something? That was me, yeah. yeah so that's, okay. that's what I'm trying to specialize. So I, I do have this relatively new blog. It's only been around for about six months on the popular science. They have a new newish is, blog network. This is the one about the modern plagues, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And my what I wanted to do with that in general is sort of ask the question, how how we deal with other species that we think of as a threat, whether they really are or even sometimes they're not, and how we use science and technology to control them and how that can either, sometimes it can be really clever and sometimes it can backfire. So I end up writing a lot about infectious diseases and invasive species and um, a lot of insects and microbes going on over there. And I had just seen that, I'd seen the stories that had gone viral about the black plague thing and they... Uh, irritated me a little bit because I, I could tell they just didn't seem quite right. Right. Uh, and I, I didn't understand. It seemed like they were presenting something as really new, but they weren't quoting any specific studies. So I dug into it a little bit and decided to write about it. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is that that original source for it, or the one that went viral, which was from The Guardian, um, yeah. was really pitching a TV show. Yeah, it was a it was a documentary that was sort of summing up all of what they know so far about the plague with, without any new uh, new re research being presented. But they also, I think, misunderstood one of the researchers thinking that there was this new piece when there's not. So they presented it that way, and then everyone else just sort of parroted that instead of reporting. So on that note, I mean, you as a science writer yourself, how do you approach controversial science topics, you know, the sexy science subjects that tend to get a little bit skewed in the media? I think that's hard. I mean, right now I'm working on a couple of stories on GMOs, actually, and it, it is kind of hard sometimes to uh, figure out and to write about those uh, when there's quite a bit of a backlash and that is a that is not in line with the science. 
Mm. Um, but you just, you know, you just report them as best you can. Um, and I think pay special attention. I mean, you should pay, you should always pay attention when you're reporting, but when it's sort of a sensitive topic like that, that has a lot of controversy, you really want to make sure that you're getting the right information and presenting it in a way that makes sense. So do you have any advice for, um, you know, regular scientists who have to to try and translate their science? I mean, you have to deal with this every day, translating basically hard science to mm-hmm. lay audience. A lot of times when I interview scientists for my own writing or in the past when I've worked as a fact checker, uh, there's always this tension where the scientists, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, the scientists will not like a particular wording or not, but if you're talking something through and I, I, maybe they'll tell me this long thing, how it works, and I'll repeat back to them. So basically, is this correct? Is this what you're saying to make sure I'm translating it right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they might uh, push back and say, well, that's not accurate enough because they want it to be very, this very, very precise language that a lay person, it might be lost on them and might get kind of boring or confusing to them. Right. So it's always a tension to try and think of who your audience is and serve them and make sure that you're explaining things in a way that's engaging and easy for them to understand. So you want you don't want to sacrifice accuracy, but you can't always make it as precise of language as maybe you would if you're writing for other scientists. So that's really the challenge, I think. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of scientists are always afraid that when someone else takes their words, that they might be dumbing it down. I I think that it's not necessarily dumbing down; it's just making it more accessible for people that don't have a deep. You know, when you're a scientist, you're answering one question or you know one you're really focusing on one topic to such depth, and most people aren't able to do that. So it's not necessarily dumbing down, it's just making it and writing it in terms that, you know, a very interested and bright uh, lay person would be able to understand without needing to go through years and years and years of a PhD. Do you have anything you'd like to say to budding science writers out there? (laughs) Um, I think... Just remain. I think the most important thing is to remain curious and open-minded and ask questions. Thank you so much for your time. This has been really great. Sure, no problem. That was science writer and journalist Brooke Burrell. She's a contributing editor at Popular Science Magazine, and you can check out her blog, Our Modern Plagues, and other writings on popularscience.com. And that's all for today. Tune in next time for more... Science did what? I'm your host, Kyle Marion Viterbo. Until next time, 